and welcome aboard the Battleship Retention. I am Scott and I, I just had an old-fashioned little tipsy. <laughs> I'm, I'm David Bax. I have not had a drink today. <laughs> this sounds like a... Well, a, good a for meeting. you. Look yeah. who's showing off. Um, no, I, yeah, I, uh, uh, I used to, like, uh, by the way, um, Tyler, is. you can still, if you want to know what's going on with Tyler... As usual, check caringbridge.org slash visit slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. That's got all the in- info. There were new developments this past week. So if you ha- if you know that link and you haven't checked it in a while, um, go check it out. Find out what's going on with Tyler. Wish him uh, the best. Hopefully he'll be back with us at some point. We don't have any sort of timetable for that, but I don't. They are promising to... developments. It's worth saying. You don't need to you know keep the people on suspense. Yeah. 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 There's been positive developments, but, uh, yeah, I don't want to get to a point where we're not acknowledging that Tyler isn't here. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So Tyler isn't here. Um, but I, I did, yeah, there was a time when I would, um, when Tyler and I would record, I would go to his house after work and I would stop off at the liquor store and get like a tall boy to drink while we did the podcast. And, uh, like, I don't know. Overall in my life, I drink less than I used to. I think, um, the pandemic did that for me in a lot of ways. I think at first, mm. I know a lot of people drank more in the pandemic. And I think at first I probably kind of did like, I find I probably had that like, well, I'm off work at six and <laughs> absolutely nothing to do. And so, yeah, <laughs> I'll make a, a scotch and soda or something and, and keep them coming. But, uh, I generally dealt with a lot of the stress of pandemic times with, uh, self-improvement so i eat better i exercise more and i drink less but i should say that's i drink less starting from me being a german irish midwestern catholic (laughs) so i still drink more than probably most of the like socal folks that i know because socal is less of a drinking culture i think than is it st louis missouri maybe um uh but um yeah, I definitely drink less than I used to. So I, I, I don't drink during the podcast almost at all anymore um, or before the podcast. But uh, that's not what we're here to talk about. What, what, what are we, you, there was something you wanted to address. <laughs> sure. I definitely wanted to address this topic. It wasn't like we should come up with something to talk about in this segment. Um, no, uh, it's just a funny incident that happened on on the online world this week, um, where Gawker of all websites suddenly took aim at of all people, Richard Brody of the New Yorker, uh, longtime film critic, writer of the excellent Jean Luc Godard biography, Everything Is Cinema, and uh, general contrarian. Um, Brody often has uh, kind of eclectic opinions, and I've always loved him for it. But uh, Gawker somehow caught wind of this this week. I think his uh, mixed negative review of Tar kind of put him over the edge with a few people. Okay, there seems to be, you know, as much as uh, smart people, let's say, uh, take issue with the Marvel fans who are always like demanding that critics agree with them. There always seems to be a movie every year that even like cinephiles are like, you can't dislike this movie. It's impossible. And tar kind of seems to be in that camp. I mostly say that because I am also mixed negative on tar. Okay. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, so, oh, okay, go ahead. Well, Gawker, well, well, no, before you go ahead. So he didn't like tar, but his, like I follow him, um, on, on Twitter. Uh, and didn't he also, 
there's a, the the opposite kind of contrarianism. Contrarianism. He liked a couple things. Like, didn't he? Like, he liked "Don't Worry, Darling" or something. Yeah, which again, I also liked. Uh, he did also like, quite like Amsterdam, which right. I didn't like as much. Um, so yeah, he's had a string of kind of classic Brody takes of like, yeah, disliking the thing that everyone's celebrating right now and really digging the thing that people are not into. Um, his reasoning though is always very sad and he has a very interesting perspective and he's one of the few film critics I really read on the regular because Mm -hmm. his, uh, his stuff is well argued and it doesn't feel like it's being just influenced by the trends of the time. And he kind of has like this foothold in, I guess like French new wave cinema where what he's into in movies is a little bit outside of maybe what the movies themselves are strictly defining as their limits, which I find kind of like an interesting mm-hmm. perspective. And I, I see like what he liked so much about Amsterdam for sure. Um, even if I couldn't quite get there myself. Um, I, I, it's interesting though. He actually disliked tar for reasons that I don't agree with. And I dislike tar for other reasons. So even when I do agree with him, I somewhat don't agree with him. Um, but I, I mostly just found it funny that a publication like Gawker, um, which in its heyday was really taking down like notable public figures in a very mm-hmm. caustic way, has been reduced to <laughs> taking aim <laughs> at the New Yorker's not even chief film critic, but like certainly their most most uh, famous and most kind of, I suppose, acclaimed film critic. Anthony Lane is still their chief film critic, but Richard Brody is definitely their uh headiest as it were um so it's just like a strange confluence of of cultures i suppose uh yeah i i haven't read the the gawker piece so i can't really speak to it but i can speak to also being a fan of 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 richard brody's uh uh point of view um this i'm going to springboard to an entirely different topic though that made me think of it like I, i remember noticing Long-time listeners of Battleship Pretension might remember that Tyler and I were a bit, used to be a bit more keyed into the local, like, L.A., like, old comedy world. Had a lot of friends in that scene, went to a lot of um, shows and stuff. And I noticed that, like, wow, the comedy world loves basketball. <laughs> like, that is the chosen sport of the comedy okay. Richard Brody is one of a handful of film critics I follow who are also huge baseball fans. <laughs> And There's I a wonder, lot of them these days, I feel like. I know. I wonder what it is about baseball that attracts film critics. That's a good question. And why aren't there more why why isn't there more film Twitter hockey crossover? <laughs> which is what I want, but I basically got Jingle Ghost is basically the only uh I don't know if you follow him, but basically the only film Twitter account that also I tweets do. about hockey. I do follow Jingle Ghost. Um yeah, I wonder if it's to do with the pace of baseball and kind of the because I feel like most of the baseball fans I follow who are also cinephiles are also more into like slower artier movies. And okay. so the pace kind of matches, whereas basketball is a very fast paced sport. So if you're a comedian and you're constantly thinking on your feet right. and trying to think of the next zinger, it kind of fits with the pace. That's the only psychoanalyzing I can do. I mean, hockey is also a very fast sport. It just takes, just takes forever to score. Uh, yeah, which I, um, part of what I like about it. Um, I forgot. There's also, of course, David Ehrlich is a big hockey guy. Those yeah. are the, those are the big hockey guys, um, um, who are also big movie people, I guess. Uh, 
Um, yeah, I'm trying to think who else. But uh, yeah, I wish there were. I wish there were more. But uh, hockey is the favorite sport of I don't know people who like thrash and new metal. I think. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, it's the closest you can get to like a violent mainstream support that's like not actively just two guys beating yeah, each other. Yeah, not up. UFC. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's also as Natalie loves to point out to me. Um, hockey is also the whitest of the four major sports. The four major absolutely. Uh, uh, us sports so um uh that's often you know problematic but uh i'm not here to talk about problematic sports or um the favorite sport of film twitter i'm here first and foremost chiefly to talk to you about tweakedaudio.com tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors they look great they sound great uh tyler and i use them each and every day of our lives um today i was using them to listen to uh some of just some of the mountain of new music that's coming from the uh noted australian rock band um king gizzard and the lizard wizard they um uh in addition to being a very good band the thing they are second most known for is releasing a ton of music. And so um, it's October and I think they're on their fourth album of the year. Uh, and so I think the one that I was listening to today isn't even the newest one. There's been one since then, but I was listening to one called ice death planets, lungs, mushrooms, and lava. And it's great. It's definitely them in their, uh, they have a lot of different modes as you would have to, if you release as much music as they do, but this is more in their, uh, uh, 70s psychedelic uh jam rock type of uh type of mode and it's it's really good and it sounded really good on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds they're available at a low low price at tweakedaudio.com but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Scott, are you sure that album isn't just listing off like Mario worlds? <laughs> it might, it honestly could be. It That's... seems very close to just like Mario worlds. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a, there's been an entire ad in between me saying that and you saying that just so you know, well, I'm sure um, people hopefully they remember. Um, but uh, let's get into it. Shall we, what are we here to talk about once again, because I, my mind is fried. Uh, you have come up with the topic. Yeah. Um, so this was inspired by a semi recent episode of the podcast screen drafts. I don't know if you listen to screen drafts, David, but it's quite a good podcast. I don't, um, I, I've, I've said this before. Another thing that has changed for the, with the pandemic is I don't really listen to podcasts anymore maybe a little bit of college football now that that's back yeah but but i uh mostly just listen to music all the time do you find it's because you don't commute as often i that's part of it but i also <laughs> think i made a conscious choice like 
it it's interesting. Natalie and I went completely opposite ways. Like, um, listening to other people, or like when we were in like real lockdown, like the first couple few months, of, you know, of, of of COVID, like listening to other people talk made her feel more connected, and it made me feel weirdly more distant. Like, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I was like, this is hearing other people talk is going to make me get together and talk is going to make me sad. It's going to remind me of like what we're missing out on. And so I just like immersed myself in, in, in hours, hours and hours of music, mostly new music every day, starting in March, 2020, which I was already doing a lot of. Um, and then that's kind of where I've stayed. So I just spend hmm. all day listening to music every day. Interesting. Maybe a, well, like a, nevertheless, maybe a there's a podcast called Screen Drafts. And okay. if you out there in the listener world are looking for a good movie podcast, I recommend it. Um, so they do like kind of like ranked lists is basically the broadest way to uh, categorize it. Um, okay. And they did an episode recently about internet movies. And it kind of got me thinking about um, movies that address the internet. And it was kind of colliding with some stuff I was thinking about already um, in how the fact of the internet and its... Um, invasion would be too strong a word but certainly prevalence in our everyday lives has changed the way we think and the way we approach uh how we experience life and so i was thinking not only about movies that directly depict the internet and the way that has evolved over time but movies that are in some way infected by sort of internet thinking and like it's it's too shallow to say it's just like the discourse or whatever but obviously the discourse is part of that i just think there's a, a nature to the way we relate to ourselves and to each other that the internet has fundamentally changed and i think there are movies that reflect that in an interesting way so i kind of broke my list up into three categories one are just notable depictions of the internet in very direct ways that are like, this is the way we're using it now. And this is the way, and it, over the time you can kind of see it evolve. The most mm -hmm. interesting way you can, I saw it evolve is kind of like a separation between like 1995 to 2005 and then 2005 onward where those earlier years were depicting something that was still somewhat of a wild west scenario of like, we're not sure what this thing is yet but it's definitely in our lives and we've definitely got to make sense of it. And you kind of see more uh, offbeat takes of what an internet connected world does to people. And then from 2005 onward, you really have like, this is what the internet is and this is how people are using it. It's no longer like this amorphous weird object that mm -hmm. we can't make sense of it's like it's a defined thing mostly with the rise i think of social media you know 2005 is kind of around when myspace and facebook were really uh taking off and really a part of everyday life and then especially by like 2009 or so you really get um a sense of this is this is the world you know you got facebook twitter mm -hmm. Google as kind of like the primary drivers of internet culture, Amazon as well, uh, Netflix to an extent, although interestingly for as much as they're involved in movies, I don't think you see Netflix kind of influence on content of movies as much. Um, and then, so yeah, so then my three, after you get kind of depictions of the internet, I also just wanted to talk about like uh, the notion of being plugged in all the time and movies that are about people who are plugged into a, a virtual world. And then kind of the third category is just like amorphous. This is clearly influenced by the 
uh, nature of the internet involving in our lives, but maybe isn't even directly depicting it. In some cases, it does, yeah. but in some cases, it's more amorphous, I suppose. I'm glad I just have a big list of movies, so I'm right. gonna, uh, I will follow your um, uh, your uh, breakdown, your your categorization. Uh, the first thing I, I wanted to point out, though, when I was uh, uh, there, have been. There have been a number of I, I I had more to I have more to talk about today than I would have thought because one thing that I think I know you pointed out a lot when you've been on the podcast is um how many sort of major filmmakers today seem to avoid depicting the present. Yeah. <laughs> um and and so I have kind of a lot, although interestingly, most of my recent films that would fall under this are are indies. Yeah, I found low budget foreign films, not those two together, they can be separate categories, but um, those were the ones that seemed to most frequently kind of engage with the world as it is. And usually foreign films don't have as big a budget as American films anyway. I think part of it has to do with just how long it takes movies to get approved these days. You know, gone are the days of Robert Altman allegedly pitching three women on his way to the airport and getting it approved. It takes, (laughs) it's a much longer process to get a script approved in which time the technology around which you're kind of building your premise or your world might have changed. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did find some interesting American movies nevertheless. Um, so I don't know if you want to start like chronologically or kind of by category or how you want to do I want to go by, yeah, let's go by category and let, let's start with the first one that you mentioned, which is actual, actual depictions of the internet. Yeah. We could, this one, we can start like at the, I guess the beginning, but who knows where do you, like, where do you, uh, these things, these, 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 these things kind of crept into our lives in, in, in some ways, because there are movies like initially I was thinking when I was thinking of the beginning, I was like, okay, we'll go back to like hackers and the net. But then while I was thinking about it, I was thinking about like, okay, what about war games and jumping Jack flash? Like those are both movies that like include very early versions of, of internet communication. I didn't think about war games. I haven't seen jumping Jack flash. What's it, what's this deal? Um, Whoopi Goldberg's character works for a bank, like a high level bank and high enough level that her clients are rich enough that they have the ability to communicate. So mm. that's basically, she's just like a, a customer service person, but also like an IT person at the same time. Who's like right. essentially like an early version of like I aming with clients and moving their money around. And then a, uh, a CIA agent spy who's like in trouble overseas like finds a way to reach out over again the internet whatever right. this this like bank line and Whoopi goldberg just happens to be the person who picks up so she gets kind of like dragged into this uh espionage uh thing through through uh you know digital communication over uh, uh across the world yeah, I mean that's sort of uh the deal with the net too which i only saw quite recently i've never I still never oh. seen hackers um, I've seen hackers. I watched hackers a lot as a kid. I saw the net once, like when it was new. So I was like in middle school, probably. So I can't really say that much. I do remember um, the uh, she orders a pizza online, and I love yeah. that it's like pizza dot com or something. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I just love like looking like I because I don't want to sound like I'm superior. Like oh, they got that wrong. But it's like 
interesting to see what like things like the net like got right but in weird ways like sure. like yeah we all have like there's apps and everything and you can order a pizza online but every like you have to go through like a restaurant's portal you're not just going to go to <laughs> pizza.com <laughs> yeah um uh, i i do yeah I, clearly the other funny thing with the net is they were running up against the what they've clearly thought was limitation, the visuals of the internet. And so like anytime something goes wrong on the internet, it gets like all like ghosty and fuzzy and like abstract surreal in ways like, like no computer was doing then or has done since. Um, so it's clearly like people being like, okay, this computer thing is hot, but it seems very boring to watch people sitting and typing. <laughs> so we need yeah, well, that's... some aesthetic thing. I mean, yeah, hackers definitely like does a lot of depicting like, inside the internet as like a three-dimensional physical space sure you know i think about like this is a, a different version of that but um what's the the girl's name in jurassic park like lexi who's like the computer yeah. geek and when she's it's not really the internet but when she's getting into like the security system it is literally like 3d models that, like it's there there were like weird ways around um depicting just people looking at screens uh, in, in the nineties, they were trying to find ways to make that interesting. And I don't know, um, that they ever really cracked it. Um, I, like I find, um, I only watched the first season of Mr. Robot, but, um, that was a show that had a like hardline dedication to depicting computers and hacking, realistically and mm -hmm. it did like set that as a challenge like yeah we're not going to have like weird fuzzy like lines of and, and code going all different directions it's literally just going to be like you know people typing in the a computer's back end and you're going to see how it actually works and will and that'll be a challenge to make it interesting and they and they did for that first season i don't know i my understanding is that show really went off the rails but i like the first season yeah i mean i think everyone's kind of realized that that is the best way to depict things is just pretty straightforwardly. I think there was a huge run on how to depict texting in like the early 2010s where you saw a lot of people try to do like bubbles on screen or like other kind of more abstract, like uh, images of sorts to get that imprinted. But to me, the most thrilling depiction of texting was in personal shopper where you are just like looking at her screen yeah, um, but that's that's what you were talking. I mean, Personal Shopper is an international art house film. I think in mainstream movies, texting is still mostly depicted with just the text popping up on screen, either in a bubble or just text on screen in both movies and TV. Yeah, that, I was trying to think yeah. of the last one I saw that did it, though. Have you seen it um, like, very recently? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to... I don't want to give any examples because... Um, I don't talk about like my work. Sure. But, um, I'd say my um, part of my job involves making sure we have textless versions of shots that have text on them. Oh, so sure, basically yeah. this comes up a lot. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it is, it is still used a, a lot just to, Fair enough. just seeing the, seeing the text on screen. Uh, it's, I mean, it's generally pretty um, effective. I think it's, it stopped feeling at a certain point to me, it stopped feeling like a, like a gimmick. Um, and it just like is what it is.
Yeah. Um, getting back to the nineties, I think the kind of key film, and maybe you'll have a different opinion on what the kind of the key film is of this fulcrum between uh, the world getting very online and the world being very offline is you've got mail, um, which is, you know, ostensibly about a big kind of Barnes and Noble esque bookseller uh, outgunning a independent shop and kind of driving them out of business. And so ostensibly it's about that cultural shift, which obviously didn't last terribly long in the grand scheme of things. But I think the undercurrent of it is much more concerned with kind of like Y2K anxiety of, are we getting left behind? Is the internet taking over slash will it be our undoing it? You have people constantly conversing about like, are you online, man? And it's like still this like option. It's a period of time where it's an option to be online. Oh, you, or not. Yeah. You, you took the words that I was actually going to point that out that, that something like, um, like hackers or, um, uh, there's a, um, uh, there's a season one Buffy episode called I robot you Jane. That's like about, <laughs> it's about hacker types and those, the people who were online or jacked in as the character says on that <laughs> Buffy, Buffy episode, um, were like, you know, it was a weird, like subculture yeah. and, and, and that that's the huge shift is to, to, to shift to America's dad and America's sweetheart conversing over uh, <laughs> uh over the internet is, yeah. is is like now this is a part of regular people's lives yeah for sure um do, can you think of other movies from i guess this period where it was like kind of like is this a thing because i mean in the 90s you had all kinds of like articles and stuff that was positing the internet as a trend and it was just going to go away yeah i mean i'm as far as like it being like a subculture that is often like um speaking of things that don't really exist anymore okay i'm taking a step back in the 90s in high school and just the 90s in general and into the 2000s a little bit i think this is more of a pre-internet thing you could look at a person and how they dressed and how they presented themselves and come to pretty like reliable conclusions about like what their outlook was, what their interest was in terms of what they listened to and watched and read and stuff like that. And what their friends were like, um, increasingly that doesn't like seem to, uh, seem to be quite the case um, anymore. I, uh, I I think, um, people have other ways of presenting. A lot of them are, uh, online. Um, so this is all to say, like, if you look at that Buffy episode, if you look at hackers and the way the characters are dressed, you could put the matrix in with, with that, that, yeah. that, that the matrix is depicting the internet. It's not that, you know, that's not actually what it's depicting, but that's what it's depicting essentially the internet yeah, um, sure. as, uh, as the realm of uh, the, um, this sort of uh, under society of, right. of uh, sleekly dressed uh outcasts who are also very cool <laughs> well people who use the internet wanted to think of themselves as such you know yeah yeah in reality they they weren't uh as well dressed as the folks even in the matrix yeah. um but yeah even something like mission impossible where ethan hunt uses the internet to um seek out some a series of clues it's still yeah kind of depicted the internet as kind of this underground forum 
I also, I have a very, uh, I'm not even guilty about it anymore, but as close as I come to a guilty pleasure is Jan Silent Bob Strike Back, okay. um, which is a thoroughly dumb movie that nevertheless makes me laugh constantly. Um, but it's depiction <laughs> of the internet was very 2001 where like, uh, I always think of Ben Affleck's line where he's like, the internet is a portal for people to share pornography with one another, talk shit about movies or something like that. And like, yeah. that's still kind of the internet, uh, at least as far as I can tell. <laughs> um, and just Jay's line of like, or hold it, or Ben Affleck's like, they're already, you know, trashing out on the internet. And Jay just goes, what the fuck is the internet? Uh, <laughs> yeah i don't i I saw the movie in the theater and have not seen it since i don't really remember yeah um the the picture of the internet is mostly around uh like the ain't cool world uh in its version it's moviepoopshoot.com um which is weirdly a site that became real after the movie like kevin smith ran an actual website called moviepoopshoot.com that jeff wells of all people wrote for for a good stretch of time um well not sorry another uh um uh digression i guess um i i think i appreciate now that i that i feel like increasingly when we see characters in movies or on television use facebook it's just facebook now yeah. you know but i do miss that golden era of fake facebooks totally um, <laughs> the absolute best sorry i talk i'm talking about tv a lot this episode I'm trying, i know you hate tv so i'm trying to that's yeah, pretty bad um but the absolute best is season one of Friday Night Lights. There's a whole story where a, a drunk girl at a party, like a video of her goes like locally viral within the school because it got uploaded and posted to friendpost.net. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm looking at my list for anything else from like the nineties or, or, or should we go to later depictions of the internet? Yeah, my list starts to get later pretty quickly. I mean, the okay. other closest one to have like an older one is Old Boy, which um, depicts an internet cafe, which I always appreciate that like slice of time when you had to pay some idiot to go oh, log right. on to the internet and you couldn't just like have your laptop with you, let alone your smartphone and reliably get Wi-Fi. You had yeah. to go to some shady ass place and log on well, to their isn't, console. Isn't like... If I'm, it's been a while since I've seen um, Danny Boyle's The Beach, but doesn't that end like in an internet cafe? Isn't that? I've never seen it. I don't oh, know. It's a good movie. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that's yeah, that's a similar thing that he's he's in Bangkok and he like needs to like update his blog or check a blog <laughs> or something and he, sure. uh, or you know they weren't even using the word blog back in what's what's the beach two thousand. That sounds about right. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. have been blog yet. Um. Maybe a weblog. Yeah. Maybe that, which is where it comes from, of course. Uh, all right. So other depictions of the internet. Um, you, yeah, you, you and you, everyone we know from 2005 um, gave us the immortal pooping back and forth emoji. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also has a you've got mail kind of type of plot. Totally. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. That's on my on my list as well. I'm trying to um, I wish I should have put this in in chronological order. Uh, that would have made more sense. Um, so I'm trying to think of other mid two two thousands. Yeah, from the uh, mid two thousands, I got a uh, sex drive, um, which is about a guy who meets a girl online and drives to go meet her. Um, it's a, a very funny movie. I think it's kind of an underrated comedy from this era. James Marsden. James Marsden supporting role, but oh, that's okay. where James Marsden shines, of course. Yeah, uh, I never saw it. It's really good. 
Um, a little later in the 2000s, you have uh, The Girlfriend Experience, Steven Soderbergh's movie about online prostitution, essentially, um, and kind of how all of that gets up. It's very of the moment. And I, I, I haven't seen it since 2009, but I, I would imagine it holds up really well. I never, I never saw it. I feel like I started watching the series because I made a series. Yeah, I watched the I first few even... episodes and didn't yeah, really grab me. Yeah, I think I had the same experience. Um, all right. Uh, I'm trying to like um, not jump too far ahead. Yeah, the only other one I got from this era is the animated film A Town Called Panic, where um, instead of ordering, I can't remember the exact amounts, but they try to order like a hundred bricks and accidentally order like a hundred million bricks. And so it's just truck after truck after truck and claymation, which is great, shows up dumping all these bricks that throw stuff. And it's like, it's great because it's a simple premise that accentuates a anxiety that I always have whenever I'm ordering anything online that I'll get some detail wrong and all the like autofill fields and com- like overcharge my account or mess up the order in some way. <laughs> I'm always afraid like that I'm going to put in my address, but then autofill a later box that changes what I said and yes. accidentally send something to an old address that I don't live at anymore. Exactly. That's a big fear of mine. I'm always like triple and quadruple checking the address fields. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't mean to, to rush you. If you have any other 2000s one, definitely... Uh jump on it here well i guess well, i guess i'm getting into the 2010s here yeah i mean definitely like, i think the big fulcrum is the social network which comes out right at 2010 and kind of perfectly represents where we're having like it's both about kind of the wild west days of the internet in that it depicts you know 2003 i want to say it starts in um but depicts the evolution of then a more defined sense of the internet that I think most movies, at least that come after it will kind of exist in that they'll all kind of be in some way, you know, they'll be doing friend post or whatever, some version of social media or yeah. some version of Amazon or whatever. Um, and, or some version of Google, they'll all be doing takes on things that already exist instead of um, abstract depictions of what we feel the internet is uh yeah um yeah i don't have anything to add to that <laughs> uh, but i do i do remember like when that in was in the early stages it's it sounded so weird because i guess when the when the social network was first like announced they didn't even have that name yet. right it was just when a was movie like, about facebook yeah it was like david fincher's making a movie about facebook and aaron sorkin's writing it like it yeah. felt so strange because it like it felt like and obviously once i realized the movie was like oh it's a like based on true events like almost biopic type of thing i it sounded like it was like they were treating facebook as like ip and it was going to be a story right set on facebook which at the time you know still fed, felt like it could be a trend you know totally because, because we'd seen friends to come and go and we'd seen MySpace come and go. And so Facebook felt like, oh, by the time they get this thing off the ground, Facebook could be like two generations in the in our rear view. Yeah. And I mean, part of it is just luck on their part that Facebook didn't end up going bust by the time the movie came out. Yeah. But I yeah. think the movies, what makes the movie, I think, so enduring is that it really is about, I think, a certain way of internet thinking. And I rewatched it for the first time in a while over the course of the pandemic. 
and I think it's more, yeah, I hate the, this phrase, more relevant than ever um, because any movie, you know, any movie worth its salt is going to be relevant for a while. But I think it really taps into the idea of um, how fast things can move due to the internet and like, especially watching it in the wake of the Trump administration and at the time in the wake of like vaccine misinformation and just how fast when you're more determined to get something done first, how fast that can overtake like the person who's right about something. And mm-hmm. so you constantly have the Winklevoss twins, like trying to assert that they were right in that they came up with Facebook first and probably they were, but Mark Zuckerberg was already doing it and already building it. And because he was already doing it, he's got, he's the one who got the success. Um, and just that way of thinking is both, uh, I think a reference on the internet itself, but also just a way of 21st century progress that was even present um in the early 2000s you know the quote people were always sharing in regards to the trump administration was some quote from a bush administration official in like 2002 or something who was talking to someone from the clinton administration essentially saying like no you guys are in a truth world we're operating in post-truth world and there's this whole element of society that already understood that like if you just got out there first with whatever idea you had, it didn't matter who was right or who had the better idea you got there. And so um, that's what the social network really taps into and why it it would resonate regardless of whether Facebook was a trend or not. Mm. Uh, Well, um, to move further into the 2010s, I couldn't not mention uh, Jason Reitman's Men, Women, and Children. Yeah, that's on my list too, which is the <laughs> most like, a, you know, capital about the internet movie probably ever. But I, this is, maybe I'm pulling Richard Brody here. <laughs> but I remember watching the movie and coming away with my takeaway from the movie was so different than what other people see, because I kind of liked the movie. I'm, I like... Uh, Juno in Thank You for Smoking Notwithstanding, I I, I like Jason Reitman. Um, uh, you know, uh, La- Labor Day Squad represent. Um, yeah, I think you're more fair on Labor Day than I am <laughs> is the big kind of difference yeah. here. But uh, Men, Women, and Children, I saw it as seeing, as like depicting difficulties among generations and families and uh, um, between teenagers and stuff like that and illustrating that the core substance of these things hasn't changed the internet has only changed how they happen and so many people took the movie to be about like saying a condemnation of the internet and i that wasn't the movie that i saw i thought i think you're ultimately right i think and this is like my problem with most Jason Reitman movies is that he's operating from a good instinct, but his directorial instincts undercut what could be an effective premise. So you get, I feel like there's just so many shots in that movie of like someone logging into Ashley Madison and already the ominous music is queuing up. And it's just like, there's a certain aesthetic way that the internet is presented in that movie. That's just like, it's just, it's almost, I mean, it's like a much more chill version of like a Requiem for a Dream kind of scenario of like, as soon as someone kicks on drugs in Requiem for a Dream, it's like, we're just getting dragged further and further down. As soon as someone logs on in Men, Women, Children, it's like, this is just the beginning of the end for their soul. Um, 
Yeah. But even if I think the like outline of the movie has, yeah, the right impulse of like, this is the current form in which this constant conflict takes place. The movie's attitude towards the internet, I think is accurately captured in kind of the negative reviews. Um, <clears throat> uh, less fear mongery though. Also uh, what's wrong with the kids today is the bling ring, which is all about uh kids who rob celebrities based on keeping track of their whereabouts on the internet. It's pretty great. Yeah. 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 I didn't know. I, I didn't know which category, cause that's on my list too, but I didn't know which category it, it, it fell in into because your later categories, which are, I think the last one, which is sort of depicting like how the internet has changed. How did you say it? Like, I think just the, like the way we think, um, and yeah, there's there's an element of that there too, but I think Sofia Coppola's uh, mindset is still kind of rooted in a late 20th century ideology, where she still finds this culture a little strange and a little uh, yeah. outside of herself. Um, but it's an excellent movie. I mean, it's like a, such a testament to Sofia Coppola. That I think it's probably like if you were to rank them her worst movie, but it still like completely rocks. Yeah. Um, did you have this experience? You know, because sometimes mainstream movies, especially, are kind of slow to catch up. Did you have the experience I had in, in in researching for this episode of like looking up a movie that feels like it should have depicted the internet and doesn't? <laughs> <Yes>. Totally. <laughs> uh, I want to hear one of your examples, though. The big example for me um, is Joel Schumacher's Eight Millimeter. Like, I <laughs> I thought for sure there would be some sort of like forum of people trading these right these these reels and these tapes and something, but no, he literally has to go like go meet. Is it is it Joaquin Phoenix? I haven't seen Eight Millimeter in so long, uh, and it's not very good as I recall. But um, that's one that felt like it absolutely should have been part of that like uh, um, weird dark outsidery things are happening on the internet. I thought for sure that he would have had to like check a. Uh, a, a news group or something. Yeah, I think the closest one I had for that, I had a lot of them that I can't remember now because I didn't write them down because I was like, oh, right, that's not really that much about the internet. But the closest one I still kept on my list was Demolition Man, um, right. <laughs> which, again, like, I don't think it has any overt internet stuff in it, but it, it does kind of tap into the idea that, like, people are being watched at all times, especially for the things that they say. And even though it didn't have like the social media framework within it, you know, we've seen plenty of people have their lives and careers ruined because of things they say, essentially in what is now uh, openly public space. And Demolition Man just depicts that in like a uh, space where like we're constantly listening to and we're being wa- just walking around society. Um, so, yeah, I kind of lumped that in with my like my Internet mindset category stuff. Um, which I'm happy to get into because this, this to me is the real interesting stuff of like, how did the internet change the way in which we approach life? Um, the other one that I thought of, uh, and don't uh, feel bad if you don't remember this movie, <laughs> Cool, uh, but the, but it could get us into a whole other subcategory. Um, but there's a 2005 horror movie called white noise, which is about, it's uh, got Michael Keaton in it. And um, it's about like catching voices of ghosts like on audio recordings in my in my mind i yes, could have sworn I, I could have sworn that it was like they're coming over the internet or whatever but uh um but i looked it up and then no they're actually just like recording audio recordings uh um but uh but that could get us into a whole category of 
of horror movies. There are so many horror yeah. movies and there's, um, uh, there's one I already forgot, but, uh, um, yeah, in retrospect, like the ring, it's weird that the, the ring isn't about the internet. <laughs> it's about it's like physical, like VHS tape. Um, but uh, uh, this reminded me of, uh, and again, a, a movie that almost no one but me saw, <laughs> apparently, but I liked it. But the remake of Poltergeist okay. from uh, whatever year, um, it's not a movie that's about the internet, but it does find ways, interesting ways for a poltergeist to like, um, present itself when the kids in the house are are online or on their phones mm, at the time. That's so, it, yeah, so it like you know comes to the phones. There's a whole thing of like um, the teenage daughter's like listening to music in her headphones, and she thinks she hears someone walking around, but she takes her headphones out and she doesn't hear it. She puts them back in. She can hear the music, but also like the steps. So it's like the person is in her. That's really cool. Now I feel like yeah. I gotta watch this movie. Yeah, it's it's not a, a bad movie, and it actually like, um, uh, this is getting off top off topic, but it found an interesting way to, um, update what Poltergeist is about because the original Poltergeist is absolutely about like former hippie boomers becoming affluent and leaving behind their uh ideologies and moving to the suburbs and buying big homes or whatever and the poltergeist remake is very much a post housing crash you know economic uh crisis movie where it's a family who sam rockwell's character has lost his job and they're having to to downgrade they they're moving into a new house because it's all they can afford um and uh so it's an interesting uh take that 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 uh, you know, didn't just retell the, the, the story. It, 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 uh, found a way to, to offer fodder for comparing and contrasting. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose I should quickly run through kind of like the plugged in alternate reality films. I think most like clearly exemplified by films like the matrix and avatar that are very clearly about like the idea that you can log online and become somebody else. And that like, that becomes a whole other world for you. Even if you're just, I mean, literally in most of these movies, people are asleep when they're quote unquote logging on. But the notion that you kind of like transfer your essence into a better or more, uh, what you feel is a more accurate version of yourself. You know, you see that also in uh, ready player one or even total recall to an extent, which is like an early example of this kind of thing. Um, I was also kind of like keyed into a film like Possessor, which isn't strictly oh, yeah. like an internet movie, but is kind of like tapping in that same idea of like that you can just like log onto a machine and become somebody else. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Ready Player One. Uh, it it kind of bums me out that they never got around to making a movie or, or a series of um, the Neil Stevenson novel Snow Crash, which I liked a lot when I was... Uh, college kid because that's when you are supposed to like neil stevenson um cool but now if because if, if they made snow crash now people would be like this is just ripping off ready player one because oh, okay that, that idea of yeah the internet being a place that you go that you know um and it being populated by its users and creators like obsessions uh is is a big part of of snow crash um i had something else uh what were you just talking about because i was gonna say something about it 
Uh, I was talking about Possessor and just the idea of oh, like... never mind. It, well, okay, this is completely off topic. Perfect. But do you... Do you? I know uh, Julie does. Do you play actoral or actorly or whatever that? If is? I'm particularly bored one day, not on the regular. Okay, so one day, not that long ago, the actor was Sean Bean. Okay. And on the list of his credits, when I finally got it, it listed the movie as Possessor Uncut, <laughs> which is I like honestly, that's like 100% how they titled it. But I don't think yeah. I'm trying to, I know I, un, I saw the uncut version. I'm trying to remember, does it say, I don't think it says uncut on screen. Probably not, but this gets into a discussion we had a long time ago about what is the real title of a movie, which you and I yeah. disagree about. <laughs> well, I wonder how, how, what do you think the second Borat movie is, is called because it, it's title changes every 20 minutes. That's right. <laughs> uh, what a confounding example. Yeah. Um, also, I think loosely in this kind of like plugged in notion are films like Vanilla Sky, um, which you don't find out until kind of late in the movies, kind of about an alternate reality kind of thing. Um, and then I think kind of the best, at least depiction of this is are, uh, Richard Linklater's two movies, Waking Life and The Scanner Darkly, which aren't necessarily strictly about people plugging in. There's elements of that in each, but I think the style of them the rotoscope nature kind of gets at this feeling of abstracting human identity in sort of uh, an amorphous yeah. I, I never saw a oh i just rewatched it a few weeks ago criterion had it up for a bit it it's really good i'm sure yeah yeah um yeah i guess waking life um is a, a lot of a lot of my early experiences with the internet and i guess now still is true with with twitter but twitter has changed things a little bit is about just like having weird conversations with other people who are into what you're into so the very like talky and obsessive uh, uh nature of waking life uh does feel like that I, I hadn't thought of that and because it takes place in kind of a dreamscape it has the ability to kind of hyperlink those conversations so like mm. it's kind of a digital version of slacker where the idea of one thing uh kind of uh prompts the idea of the next conversation you got kind of continue more on the idea front than on where in slacker it's limited by geography and who people happen to encounter in waking life, it becomes like the ideas are what motivate the next scene kind of thing. Um, are we moving on from to the next category? Yeah, I, I think that well, kind of nicely feeds into the idea of kind of more abstract and more kind of ideological well, ways in which the internet shapes movies. Can I ruin your dovetailing then by Perfect. saying um, I also had a whole category and this is movies that actually depict the internet, but documentaries about the internet. Yeah. Um, those kind of fell into a weird amorphous gray area where they kind of fell into each of these categories, you know, something like lo and behold, the Werner right. Herzog movie is pretty straightforward. I think account of yeah. the internet or yeah. something like a glitch in the matrix is both about like the notion of being plugged in. And I think has a very internet ready aesthetic of, I mean, literally using like these weird avatars for people and the big like monster talking head things or whatever that they use in place of actual talking heads. Yeah. Uh, there's also um, The Internet's Own Boy, which is a, a documentary about a 
uh, I guess the technical term is hacktivist, uh, um, but uh, uh, a dude who was in his 20s and uh, um, basically broke into MIT's like uh, online library and made a bunch of like academic texts public. As a- hey, good for him. Yeah, because <laughs> the, the like the um, those papers you have to like have memberships and right. to attend a school that has a membership to get to them. So she made he made a bunch of them um, uh, public, and then later killed himself. And that the movie maybe is suggesting that like the uh, blowback from that is what led to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also what now is probably I haven't seen it in 20 years, but probably feels like a charming relic now. Startup.com which was a, I've not uh, seen it. Um, it, it was a document. This was the first like dot com boom in the late nineties. Um, before there was the later, like sort of app boom or whatever, but it's about some guys, some early versions of like, uh, Silicon Valley tech bros who have an <laughs> idea for a website and the movie just tr- tracks them trying to get this website funded and up and, and built and, and, and up. Um, I don't know how it holds up. Uh, and then much more recently, there's Feels Good Man, which is um, uh, a, movie, uh, a movie about about it's about Pepe the Frog and what he's come right. where that character comes from and what he's come to represent. And uh, um, but I think it does speak to what you were saying earlier when we were talking about the social network of the idea, like so much of the movie is about the the cartoonist who created Pepe the the Frog is like the nicest sweetest man imaginable <laughs> and right. his frog now is like this symbol for for racism and and hatred and the alt-right and in the 4chan world and stuff and the, his um it de- it depicts him trying to like reclaim it trying to like be reclaim peppy the frog for himself and it is uh the the movie views him with like almost pity um for yeah. trying because the the nature of the internet is like it's it's out there now you're not undoing that you yeah know? i think that kind of gets back to what i was saying with a social network where yeah. like yeah that's what I, that's what i said oh sorry <laughs> i'll blame the old-fashioned um <laughs> yeah all right is that all the document i guess i also put we steal secrets which is the um documentary by julian assange um i guess yeah. but that's more that like julian assange represents a part of the internet to me. Yeah. I was thinking about that too with, I mean, I haven't seen citizen four, but obviously um, Edward Snowden is uh, I I think at this point, more of like a figurehead ideal kind of thing than like a actual person who's influencing anything. Um, Yeah. Well, well, there's also a movie, the Oliver Stone's movie about him, Snowden, which is uh, a snooze of a a drag, but um one of my all-time favorite Comic-Con experiences. Cause I saw Snowden at Comic-Con weirdly. This like was before the days that the movie studios like took a step back from Comic-Con and like weird, weird movies that are not like Comic-Con-y movies. Right. But, um, so not only was there a Snowden panel, but they also had a critics, like not, a, not open to the public, just a critic screening of Snowden. Afterwards, there was a live Q and a with Edward Snowden from, from russia so he was essentially skyping in but skyping into the movie theater screen so like yeah all, like people are like asking i i didn't speak up because i'm not a q a type person but people are like asking giant the giant face of edward Snowden <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh questions uh really cool like surreal uh comic-con experience 
Yeah, I don't know if you ever saw um, The Spy Who Dumped Me, which is a recent right. favorite comedy of mine, but it has a weird subplot where uh, Kim McKinnon's character like knew Edward Snowden from college, and so she calls him to like hack routine things for her. <laughs> and there's a part where she's like, yeah, they like hacked into our shit and took over lives and shut down our credit cards or something. I can't remember what exactly what she says, but they just hire like a voice actor to do the phone part. And he just goes, yeah, they do that. <laughs> Which is like exactly how I picture <laughs> Edward Snowden talking about anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so getting into, I guess, more of the abstract side, I think like the best way to kind of get into this is through a movie that I'm sure most people are familiar with being John Malkovich. Um okay which is very literally about taking over somebody's body and kind of becoming them and letting that persona uh, become your new life. You know, it's uh, John Cusack reaches a point where he stops being John Cusack and he's just being John Malkovich and the notion of kind of creating an alternate identity for yourself and letting it out into the world is I think in some ways an internet influenced idea that even in the nascent stages, Charlie Kaufman kind of identified and kind of brought to a certain, certain artistic fruition, even if it wasn't a movie that directly depicts the internet. Uh, yeah, I don't think I have any, I, I didn't think to do movies that were that ab abstract. Um, this is just the way my brain works. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, there's more kind of like direct stuff. I think a movie like uh, Ho Shoshan's Cafe Lumiere which is about um, it's about several different plot threads, but one of them is this guy who's building an online map of sounds that he gathers throughout Tokyo, which is super cool. And in a kind of pre Google maps world kind of depicts the amorphous ideal of the internet that like it was this platform on which you could build anything. Now, if you were to depict something like that, you would have to use something like Google maps as like an outgrowth. But here it was kind of this abstract art piece he was creating um there's something else from that same time period that i clocked oh yeah uh so like what time is it there have you seen that yeah 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 which is very much about like kind of global interconnectedness but also the notion like of trying to get of trying to feel connection with somebody in a different part but not quite getting there which is something that anyone who's too online has experienced to one degree or another yeah do you think you're too online um not anymore i think now i'm too busy to be too online but i've definitely gone through periods of being too online yeah i don't know i think i'm um more online than most people i know in real life but less yes. online than most people i know online so i often i feel like i uh i'm a man without a country <laughs> in terms no, of like I, what my point of reference is you know yeah like, i kind of feel the same and i also wonder if that's too like complimentary because like most people I know in life would consider me too online. If that, that should be my real reference point instead of all these losers who I can feel slightly superior to. Um, I think the other movie from this period that I should have also mentioned, um, but which is definitely a more actively online movie is I know I still, I don't think you still haven't seen Olivia Sayas's demon lover, which is oh, like, I've seen demon. Yeah. I saw demon. Oh, okay. I thought we've yeah. probably discussed it and you said you hadn't, but demon no, lover is the coolest shit to me and um really depicts like i think it does the best job of like depicting the internet as this helpless cesspool and hellhole but like you're kind of like yeah i think it's kind of right it doesn't feel like it's reaching too hard there's something about the way he gets at it that genuinely makes you feel nightmarish yeah um 
that I guess reminds me of another movie I hadn't thought of, but Southland Tales. Uh, yeah, um, that's on my list as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, also, uh, is it? Yeah, the world of Southland Tales is a a a garish, nightmarish place. Nightmarish place. Uh, but it also has that. I mean, you used the word hyperlink earlier. Like by being such an ensemble piece, it does like have that um, amorphous jumping around uh, feel to it. Yeah, and it had what a few movies were experimenting with at the time was a companion website that was like an extension of the narrative. I can't even remember the details now because obviously this was all like over 15 years ago, but it was supposed to be this like multimedia project that also had a comic book tie-in. It had the website and I think it had some other element that now I'm forgetting, but there were all these attempts around this time to, I think kind of in the wake of the matrix because the matrix had not only the sequels, but had the video game and it had the animatrix stuff and like, the idea right. was you would right. take in all of this and then you would really understand the matrix. Um, so there are a lot of movies that kind of tried to do the same thing. Even a movie like the fountain had a tie in graphic novel that was kind of an adaptation of the movie, but also kind of not. Um, yeah. Interesting time for media. Well, this is Southland Tales, I think is like, a, has like a, a star Wars type thing where it's like, the movie is only the middle part of the story as originally right. conceived. So the comic book like tells, the whole like because at the beginning of southland tales we see like a mushroom cloud right like at a fourth of july party or something like that sounds familiar like off in the distance so there's like whatever like all the events leading up to that are in the comic book something like that yeah um not to go talking that people didn't turn out for this movie (laughs) yeah not to go back to tv again i know you hate it but um uh lost of course had multiple like in between every season there'd be like a alternate reality game that you could follow along yeah i thought of that too for sure yeah um trying to think of other movies from roughly this time period i mean one that i put down which is maybe a bit of a reach but is terry gilliam's the imaginarium dr parnassus which is about um uh oh god i can't even remember now but it was kind of like backwards uh retrofitted premise where heath ledger goes into all these alternate realities but because heath ledger died during the production every time he goes into these alternate realities he turns into another actor um but it's kind of you know accidentally gets at what i've been talking about in terms of like avatars and so forth um that reminds me of another yeah comic-con comic-con memory actually because i went to the panel for the imaginarium of dr barnassus and what a time to be uh, alive (laughs) and it was well this is the most surreal thing that like obviously the the mood of the panel was very like dour because yeah. of Heath Ledger and of all people, like I remember Vern Troyer, like eulogizing, uh, sure. eulogizing Heath Ledger during the, during the panel. Uh, yeah. Um, another kind of movie around this fulcrum point and different from like, I'm constantly going with the idea of like avatars and online personalities, but Scott Pilgrim versus the world is very clearly like a movie for yeah. people who use the internet regularly <laughs> and yeah. they almost in too many ways to count um you know i mean there's a lot of video game references in there but i think the minute to minute feel of it is much more like a feeling of clicking around throughout the story yeah yeah um you think what else was going on kind of around this time i guess jumping ahead a couple of years but getting back to my idea of like online personalities and kind of changing your identity holy motors is very much about like the idea that you can just reinvent yourself from minute to minute. Yeah. 
Um, I feel bad I didn't think of all these. Yeah, but I, I guess I didn't think of this category is what I feel bad about. Well, like I said, it's just been something that's been loosely kicking around in my head for whatever dumb reason. Um, more directly depiction in the internet, but which I think also kind of aestheticizes it in really interesting ways. Black Hat. Um, I talked about this on our on my 2015 Best of the Year episode because it made my list. Um, but it has this great kind of aesthetic conceit where towards the beginning, it does that like classic hackers thing of like three-dimensionalizing the way information travels through cables and stuff like uh-huh. that. Um, but then it ties it back around at the end where uh, Chris Hemsworth's character is navigating this crowd in, I'm going to be a dumb white person. It's somewhere in Asia. Um, and there's some ceremony where, with people that carrying torches and the way that Michael Mann films those people like going through this big procession with these torches kind of, at least to me, relinked it to its earlier depiction of all these lights fluttering around the similar kind of information highway, if you will, um, and kind of grounds it in an aesthetic premise that whatever like uh, loose amorphous idea of the internet, it's still like people sending those messages. And so when you see these people carrying torches mm-hmm. in kind of a similar aesthetic presentation to the information traveling on these internet cables, it relinks it to a more grounded sense of humanity which, you know, for a director who's, what, in his 70s or whatever, is a pretty, like, interesting aesthetic and, in some ways, moral take on technology. Yeah, it's uh, great to see someone not be uh, out of touch. To go, to go back to the, the, the social network, when, even once I did realize what the movie was going to be, I was scared because Aaron Sorkin, if you've watched, like, yeah. like The West Wing and and sports night and studio 60 like his point of his take on people who are online was always very condescending yeah big time um, i think a lot of that was david fincher's influence and you can even watch some really interesting like making of featurettes on the blu-ray um of the story conferences that he and the two of them plus uh jesse eisenberg did to kind of refine the script and just how much David Venture was like chipping away at dumb Sorkin shit. Um, it was like really cool to see. And like, I'm surprised they put it on the Blu-ray because Sorkin just looks like an idiot the whole time. But Aaron Sorkin probably doesn't even know how to work his Blu-ray player. So that, that yes. works out too. Yeah. Um, what was the next one I was going to jump to? Oh yeah. Uh, speaking of getting older, but staying in touch, we mentioned personal shopper earlier, but it's worth kind of revisiting in the notion of, um the way it depicts kind of this idea that there's always a presence out there online that it's always kind of like hovering around and that there's always somebody to talk to even um even if it is a ghost what a cool uh, yeah no i was thinking about um uh personal shopper and i decided not to put it on the list because it's not really the internet that i should have foreseen this category um but i was thinking about it because i have one friend in particular because he was like a part of um, my friend group. Basically, this so this past July, as, a, as an example, but this happens sometimes when I check Facebook. It was um, my friend's birthday, and so I get that like thing of like, "Hey, share your memories together." Yeah, and there's a picture of us from like 2009 at a bar with our friend who has since died. Mm. And this particular friend, I guess, there's just a lot of because I was probably hanging out with him a lot in the early Facebook days. I, I seem to get pictures of him a lot on Facebook. Um, yeah. He's been dead for like 10 years now. Um, and that, that sort of made me think of, of personal shopper, the idea of uh, 
he's still kind of like around. Yeah. And also like sure. his, um, his Twitter's still active. He obviously, obviously hasn't tweeted since like 2010 or whatever, but I can go read his old tweets and, and laugh at them. It's, it's very strange. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not to like capitalize on the tragedy in your life, but I was trying to think of like a movie that made me think of, but, uh, now I just have to shift gears completely <laughs> into yeah, something. Really, um, but just like two movies or no, a handful of movies that I think are really influenced by social media and kind of like get that in their bones or like Zola okay. yeah, I and, got that. um, a simple favor. And what was the third one I had? That. Oh, Ingrid goes West. Which Ingrid is, Goes West is on my list, yeah. Yeah, Ingrid Goes West is more like a direct depiction of the internet, but I think really captures in the way they depict like everyday scenes, kind of like the glamorous Instagram lifestyle. Um, it's kind of, it almost feels like it's shot through a filter uh, that you would post to Instagram of like beach getaway kind of stuff or desert getaway in Ingrid Goes West's case. Um, and, and the, I, um, I was hard on Ingrid Goes West when it came out because I don't, and to this day, I don't like the ending of the movie. Um, sure. Uh, and I think I let that stick with me too much, but like spending time in like Joshua tree, you know, like that movie is really spot on as a it's work of very of spot on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then another one that's in this category, I don't know if you saw it and I don't think you'd like it, but maybe you would, uh, assassination nation. I don't know if you, saw uh, I, I didn't get around to seeing that now. I don't know if you were a Sam Levine. I feel like you're not a Sam Levine fan. I can't remember. Wait, you mean Sam Levinson? Uh, uh, Sam Levinson is what I meant to say. Yeah. Uh, I really liked uh, Malcolm Marie. I haven't seen oh, any of Euphoria. Oh, you're the other. You're the other person who really liked Malcolm Marie. Nice, yeah. uh, nice to know that. Uh, I also really liked it. Um, but uh, yeah, Assassination Nation is um, uh, a movie that uh, I, I think almost is liking Goes West very spot on, but almost on. Un- in many ways i shouldn't say almost very much uncomfortably so because it's about the 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 way that 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 cruelty can breed on the internet and people like um resort to tribalism and pick out a scapegoat and um and and uh the real life effects that can befall a person from just happening to be in the wrong person's target like sites on the wrong on the wrong day. Um, and also a lot of it is very specifically about misogyny on the internet and, right. and, and, and other stuff like that. It's a, uh, assassination nation is a very, um, well executed and very uncomfortable movie. Well, speaking of both cruelty online and well executed and very uncomfortable, it's bad luck banging or loony porn oh, is like yeah. such, I mean, it very directly depicts like online culture in terms of this video gets on, Earth to uh this she's a school teacher right um yeah. essentially like making a home porn movie with her husband and kind of like the shame that comes as a result of that is very in tune with uh the online world and then just like so many of the discussions they have throughout the movie and even so much of the way the movie's presented is very like online oriented the notion of kind of clicking from one wikipedia page to the next and going down that wormhole and then still coming out having the same like righteous debate about everything and it's like it's it's such a perfect internet movie to me um well let's there's three movies that came out all around the same time that all have uh single syllable titles that were the absolutely the first three movies that I thought of when you okay. mentioned this topic. So um, I'll go in alphabetical order. Uh, Daniel Goldhaber's Cam, uh, 
Yeah. Um, the movie Spree. Didn't see Spree. Um, and the movie that I think is a Polish movie called Sweat. Oh, yeah. I wanted to see Sweat. I never got around to it, though. Yeah, there are um, two of the... I, I didn't really like Spree that much, but um, these are movies that are... Cam is the only one that I, mean, I think is... Well, I guess Cam and Spree are both, like, horror movies. Sweat isn't so much, but um, they are all movies that I I think depict the... I guess the disassociation of 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 the internet yeah. um the the um uh unconnecting from yourself and and um not uh having a clearly defined boundary between your online and offline self um cam become literalizes that cam is a movie about a cam girl who uh stops making cam videos but then cam videos keep getting yeah. made with her in them and uh um there's a you know a lot of the tension in the movie is like um if she if someone else has taken over her life online and so much of her life was online like to what extent does she exist is the person who's online more real just by virtue of being online um spree is a movie about someone who's uh basically killing people for views on his live stream sure. i guess uh, um uh and then yeah sweat is a movie about um a uh polish uh, fitness influencer um who um i guess to not say too much about it also has a uh a stalker there's a lot more hmm. going on in the movie but that's kind of the main um uh, uh through line of um or you know presenting a a version of herself that i think wisely one of the things i like about the movie is it doesn't do the obvious thing of like um you know you see her like working out and making low calorie meals and it doesn't do the obvious thing of like okay the camera's off i'm gonna eat a burger or something like that it doesn't do that like that it is who she is but it's also just a version of who she is and also i think what's really crucial about sweat is that it's not all she is. And I think that's mm. something that um, really speaks to social media to me is that um, a person can have an online persona that is very much themselves, but it's not all of them. Like right. there's a lot more to the person. Um, and I think uh, sweat is a movie that's, that's really about that. You know, when she, you know, she goes on like a talk show to promote her, her Instagram and her, like her, whatever she's her brand collaborations or whatever. And people are talking to her, like they know her, which I guess is something that can happen with celebrity in general. But, um, uh, I, this feels like a very specific internet version of that, of, of, um, people thinking they know you because they know your online presence. Yeah. That made me think of, uh, PVT chat, the Julia Fox movie. Um, you're making a face that either means you disliked or didn't see it. I didn't see it. I remember you talking okay. about it. Um, uh, I think it was on, did it make your honorable mentions? I think maybe last I, year. Yes. I yeah. think I would have mentioned it in conjunction with another movie that I'm going to mention shortly. Um, okay. But uh, really gets at the, uh, yeah. Cause it's about this guy who becomes obsessed with the cam girl played by Julia Fox. Who wouldn't be, let's be honest. Um, 
and slowly starts to like try to get more and more involved in her life. And again, discovering that her life is more complicated than that, but also discovering and what really kind of twists the knife in a great way is that they both in some ways thought the best themselves through the weird online relationship they developed through like cam girl transactions. And the ending is this great kind of, I mean, very nihilistic portrait of just two people completely giving into their online personas in a very, uh, slightly deranged way that I really appreciated from an uh, independent film environment that is often too friendly. This was very pointedly uh, trying to make us uncomfortable by its uh, conclusion, which I appreciated. Similarly, um, probably my favorite film in this sort of vein, The Scary of 61st, which I know you also are a big yes. fan of, um, which again, doesn't directly depict the internet that much that I can remember but also wouldn't make sense to anybody who isn't online in a very active way. Like it's so much about, I mean, not only like the whole Jeffrey Epstein case is something that I think is more actively followed online than in kind of mainstream circles. I feel like anytime it's come up around people I know in life who aren't online, they don't know what I'm talking about. Um, (laughs) And I don't want to come across like an Epstein guy because there are different people who are too invested in the whole Epstein thing, which I think is what's so great about the movie. It's really about like the way that kind of this online thinking and online culture can poison yourself really for the rest of the world and whatever horror elements come into it, feel in some way self-inflicted through the character's relentless obsession with this kind of niche subject that yes is actually really important and would be important for the world to uncover which also the rest of the world clearly doesn't care about that much and the scary of 61st really gets at that tension really well i i I mean i it's one of those movies that i bring up every excuse i can basically because i think it's really exemplary yeah um real quick someone well i guess this is on topic because it's about the internet do you that that thing of like um talking about something that seems like something everyone knows about but you realize it <laughs> sure so with natalie i have it even more specifically because natalie is not offline at all but she is crucially not on twitter right and so sometimes i will say something that i don't even realize is just a a twitter thing i think like last weekend i made some reference to um uh, you're telling me a shrimp fried this rice. Uh, and she like had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> I didn't realize that was a Twitter specific joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't have that problem in the household because I think Julie is slightly more online than I am. Um, but I do, I more just find myself checking myself before saying something in front of like family or certain friend groups of like, yeah. this is probably too online for me to say. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's like that, um, do you remember that? Uh, I should look it up so I'm not like making stuff up. But wasn't there a girl who like got her picture taken with George W. Bush, but wrote "Bush did 9/11" on her hand or something like that? <laughs> that sounds I was, right. I, I remember thinking like trying to explain that to someone who is not online, no. like that, like this girl doesn't really think that George Bush did 9/11, right. <laughs> but she's also not making fun of people who think that. It's just like the idea that that is a joke just the idea that's a joke. It would be hard to explain to someone else. And that's exactly the mindset that you need to have for the scary of 61st, which is probably why it wasn't well reviewed for the most part. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Uh, should we have an eye towards wrapping up? Yeah. Just some odds and ends. Um, yeah. I have a, a one I should have mentioned when I was mentioning spree. Um, but this is also 
Spree is a better movie. Neither one of these is really great, but Tragedy Girls is also a movie about um, a horror movie about people killing people for internet clout. Hmm. No others. That's it. That's the one. All right, cool. Uh, no, I have other stragglers, but that one I meant to men- I meant to mention alongside Spree. Okay. I just didn't. Uh, other stragglers I had were like uh, Let the Sunshine In, which again isn't directly about the internet, but I think kind of taps into a certain dating culture of like online dating of. A friend of mine who's done a fair deal of online dating likened it to shopping. And I kind of felt like um, mm-hmm. Julia Bush's character in Let's Sunshine is in some way shopping for a mate. Um, Us, I think, kind of taps into the idea of uh, avatars and feeling connected to something outside of yourself. Right. Um, Joseph Kahn's Bodied is like another movie that wouldn't make sense if you're not online to a certain degree because it's so much about just like owning people through um oh right i mean it's about like rap battles which exist outside of the internet but there's a certain tenor to the way they're presented that feels a little yeah. bit more kind of like digitally yeah. oriented i was confused um, because you, it's joseph khan i thought you said joseph cotton and i was like oh, oh. <laughs> he's, he's reaching way back yeah uh, I, I didn't see bodied um oh uh catfish the fake Never documentary kind of movie from 2010 um but but uh, oh, L, um, Paul Verhoeven's movie, which is more aggressively kind of about like video game culture or more directly about video game culture, but I think also kind of like taps into certainly like weird fetish culture that proliferates online. And um, I mean, when it premiered, people were like, the discourse can have a field day with this one, and certainly the conversation around it and what makes it so incendiary, I think, wouldn't exist without yeah. a certain degree of online culture. Uh, existence is another kind of like plugged in movie um oh the jumanji sequels another movie about getting plugged into another world tron legacy or both the original tron too but i think tron legacy more aggressively kind of takes that tack um oh eighth grade i totally forgot to mention eighth grade yes eighth grade is on my list too yeah very good depiction of um social media and i mean everybody every review commented on how great the sail away music cue was for the feeling of just getting sucked into a social media wormhole do you did you see inside no it seemed i mean i'm i'm sure it's fine it seemed insufferable to me yeah i no, i um i did not see it i listened to the songs on spotify and and that it was yeah very much uh not for me feeling but yeah. um but just surprising because I didn't really know Bo Burnham's comedy. I knew he was a comedian, like a YouTuber. Right. And then I saw it's great. And I really liked it. I think I put it on my top 10 list. It's great. Year. Yeah. Um, and then for his follow up to be something that seems like it, I, I, you know, I, the amount of, if I had a stack of Blu-rays, <laughs> the amount of stuff I would work through before I got to inside is uh, pretty staggering. I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the thriller searching, um, it's about, it. it's another, it's a screen movie, which I, yeah. I haven't seen enough of these to kind of make a thing. I, I mean, I meant to at least mention unfriended, which I haven't seen, but which I know for a lot of uh, my friends in the very key internet movie. Um, I also haven't seen it. Yeah. All right. Um, I've got, let's see, Ralph breaks the internet. <laughs> it's an internet movie. Yeah. I only saw um, the first, I saw whatever the record Ralph was and I hated it. So I didn't see the sequel. I think the honestly, I think the sequel's better because I also didn't like Record Ralph very much, but um, neither one of them is, you know, crucial. Uh, what else do we not get to? I got to oh her. Yes, I meant to mention her. Yeah, 
Um, I mean, I always kind of like have a grudge against her for decasting Samantha Morton, but it's a fine movie. Whatever. Yeah, I I, I like it. Um, uh, I liked it a lot, actually. Uh, Chef John Favreau's Chef is a movie that, like, at least the um, the the inciting incident kind of happens because he gets into a Twitter battle with That's a right. uh, with a food critic, and then there's a lot of focus on how the chef's son helps build their food truck with, through its Instagram page. Totally forgot about that. A, a big part of of the movie. Um, in the internet, a scary world. There's David Schwimmer's Trust, which is a movie about um, sexual predators, sort mm-hmm. of like a uh, to catch a predator type of situation. And then the last one that I didn't mention earlier, because I know, as I recall, you haven't seen it, but it's very much what we're talking about. Uh, we're all going to the World's Fair. Is a, I, I know I still a, really want to see it. Yeah, it's a fantastic. Uh, movie that's very much the the internet it's a um uh it's i guess it's a, a horror movie if you want to be you know uh superficial about it but um about a girl who does like a internet like a youtube challenge that's supposed to like change you and then the rest of the movie documents her changing but is she changing or is this all just like a psychosomatic right thing and then there's also a um uh internet only voice only like uh friendship i guess that she develops with a mentor but it's also like an older man and she's like a teenage girl so it has that like potentially predatory creepy uh quality to to it and yeah the end also i mean the entire movie looks like it's lit by a computer screen you know it's all like right that, that like blue and then there's also there's an entire sequence of the movie where she just watches an asmr video and there's like <laughs> there's like a few minutes of the movie where it just is an a like an actual existing asmr video not one they made for right. the movie they they uh uh which actually this um that reminds me um a movie i didn't think of until just now uh force majeure is a movie that's uh i think very much oh yeah uh it's like i mean it, and uh ruben austin has even said like it's a, a lot of the 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 things that happen in the movie are inspired by like youtube clips that went somewhat viral you know yeah, so the, for sure. the avalanche of the man crying or the uh bus going down the windy road at the end is all like uh from from internet stuff and i guess there's been i haven't read the interview with his recent interview with him uh where he went through the sort of youtube clips that uh inspired triangle of sadness um oh, okay which is a movie, triangle of sadness? Uh, yes i um it's it's better than the square i don't think it's um as good as force majeure but it's definitely funnier than the square and that's a big part of uh why i liked it i i think um it has some facile stuff in, sure. in terms of it's like parables and allegories um uh, i think that are a little maybe almost uh condescending in, in the way that it like depicts like the classes you know difference between classes in certain situations but i'm able to forgive a lot when a movie is is funny and, oh sure and I, and I found triangle of sadness to be very funny nice yeah um the one last movie i wanted to mention was um chantal ackerman's no home movie which is um largely a series of conversations with her mother many of which are conducted over skype 
And it very much gets at like the distance people can feel, but also how like the internet can bring people together. So yeah. there's a slightly cheerful note to end on. Yeah. There's a whole, um, uh, we, we could have talked about the, uh, I only saw the first two, but the VHS series of, uh, of horror movies that are all like found footage style. Yeah. There's like five of them now. There's, sure. there's VHS and VHS two. And those are one of the ones that I saw. And then there was VHS viral, which I think was all specifically like internet related stuff. Mm. And the new one is VHS 94, which I guess is period stuff. Sure. Um, but I feel like I might even be missing another one in there. there Probably. There've been a lot. Um, but uh, yeah. All right. Um, the VHS series is entirely worth it for safe Haven from VHS two. Uh, Scott, if you have not watched safe Haven, you should at least track that down and just okay. watch safe Haven. I'll it's, do my best. Uh, it's so fucking great. Uh, it's from Gareth, uh, the one who made the raid. Um, oh, sure. Not Evans, I think. Uh, Evans. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, yeah, it's so great. All right. Um, that's great. All right. We did it. We talked about the internet. Yep. That's all there is. We summed it up. Yep. Uh, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. Um, you can email us at david at battleshipretention.com. Again, uh, check out um, to find out what's going on with Tyler and how you can help. Go to caringbridge.org slash visit slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. Um, keep Tyler in your thoughts. Donate to the GoFundMe if you can. Um, medical bills are starting to roll in for for for, for Jenny. So um, uh, if you can, that would be a, a huge help. Um and uh what else follow me on twitter at davy pretension check out my other podcast uh the one where i met your mother where natalie and i watch my wife natalie and i watch an episode of friends and an episode of how i met your mother every week except right now we're in a long period where uh there's uh more five more episodes of friends in season three than there are how i met your mother <laughs> so we're filling in the gap with episodes of uh mystery diners the uh uh I'll say to protect myself, I'll say allegedly very fake and staged reality show that used to be on uh, the food network, which is uh, I'm generally not in favor of like getting ironic appreciation of it, like watching something and laughing at it because it's bad. But um, Mr. Danish is just so ridiculous. It's uh, it's it's too fun to be ignored. Uh, Scott, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, Ooh, the internet we're all scared of the internet now i know I well i apparently am because i still have my twitter locked down but feel free to request or you know once a week or so i take it unlocked just for funsies uh or on letterboxd um try to log and at least write a few words about the new and exciting movies in the world today mm. i was trying to think if i actually wrote anything recently about anything um oh yeah i saw this 80s horror movie next of kin and wrote about that um oh is it good yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay. Um, and yeah, those are those are where I am online. All right. Well, um, thanks for filling in for Tyler. Oh, of course. Always a pleasure. Th- thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 